Rock Church. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Man, it is great to see everyone here in Conway, just a great group here uh, today. Uh, but this is one of those times that we have all of our campuses joining, which means we've got people in Ainer, South Strand, Jay Rubin, and online. So give it up for everybody. We want to welcome everybody to The Rock. And uh, I, I do want to say this, that, that if you are new with us, you probably heard a host already say it, but, but I just want to encourage you again. If you're new with us, make sure you get connected, that you use that QR code in front of you, or you stop by one of our connect areas, because we would love to get to know you better. We've also got a free t-shirt that we'd love to just give you uh, just as a gift, and thank you uh, for coming, all right? And uh, man, I, I'm excited uh, that that we're, we're jumping into a new series. We wrapped up a series last week, and that series was called Win the Day. And the whole idea, that was beneficial? Good, good, good. So, so the whole idea of Win the Day was that, that if we want to win the year, we got to win the day, which means we win the month. And, and, you know, it's a new month. It's a brand new month. I was literally writing in my journal today, we're in a new month, and because we're in a new month, I got to evaluate, did I win the month? Because if I wanted to win the day, the whole goal of winning the day was to win the weeks and to win the month. And honestly, I looked back on January and I was like, not bad, right? You know what I mean? Like, like we might have some mistakes we've all made, but, 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 but my goal was to lose a little weight. I didn't lose as much, but I lost a little, right? And, and I, I was in my word and my finances. Like, like some of the goals I had, I was winning the month because I was able to win the day. So, so I hope that, that you recognize that. Well, with that, though, takes us into our new series because we're in a new month. And the month of February is the month of love, right? It's the month of love. And some of you are like, yes, it's February. Others of you are like, suck. I hate this month, right? Like, like, cause you're like, hey, everybody gonna be talking about Valentine's. Everybody gonna be talking about who they love, and, and and so you get a little angry. I get it, I get it. Well, we're gonna look at it. You know, you've already started talking about things you love, but we're gonna look at the word love, because I, I think that word love is oftentimes confused. W would you agree with me on that? That that, that we use the word love all over the place and for so many things that, that we're talking about food that we love and people that we love and teams that we love. But, but what, what does love even mean? Uh, or, or if I could say it this way, what is the way of love? That, that I want us to look at it across all of our campuses and come to a better understanding of what love really is. I want us to come to a better understanding of what the way of love is. And, and I really believe that this series is going to be very beneficial for us. Like some of you are dating or you're married. It's going to be very beneficial because we're going to talk about love in a way that's going to help your relationships. And we're going to talk about love in, in the way it's going to help your friendships. We're going to talk about love in the way that it's going to help your family. We're going to talk about love in a way that it's going to help those that you come in contact with. Because the way we're going to do it is we're, we're actually going to go and look at some Greek words that mean love. 
And I don't know if you've ever done a study on this before. Some of you have maybe been in church for a long time, so maybe you've kind of looked at some of the Greek words, uh, some of the words used in the New Testament part of the Bible for love. Others of you are brand new to faith. Well, well this is really going to help you because what we're going to see is what the Scripture says about love. Because what culture says about love is culture will say that love is a self-serving emotion. But scripture will say it's a self-sacrificial action. Hold on to that thought. Because that thought is the, is the key thought for the next four weeks. That, that culture will say that love is a self-serving emotion where scripture will say that it's a self-sacrificial action. And we see that when we look at some Greek words. Let, let, me, let me throw these Greek words up there. <clears throat> in the Bible, like I said, the New Testament, the New Testament was written in what was called Koine Greek. It means uh, just like the street Greek. That's probably a better way to say it. Like, you know how we have Horry County English? <laughs> and let me go a step further. You know how we have Aner English? You, you get me my Aner people right now, right? Well, well, there's Greek, but then there's also Koine Greek, which just means like street language, like everyday language, the, the way most of us kind of talk in English. But in, in Greek, they have four different words for love, and, and we're going to try to pronounce them, but, but just understand that some people will pronounce them a little bit different. Like, like one word for love is agape. And agape would mean kind of like unconditional. Like if you agape love somebody, then it's an un unconditional, sacrificial type love. We're actually going to talk about that in four weeks. Uh, there, there is phileo. Anybody Philly fans? Right? Philadelphia comes from this word phileo. Phileo means brotherly love or friendship love. And we'll talk about that in three weeks. And next week, we're going to talk about, let me, let me get out of the way of it here, eros love. You ever heard the word erotic? That's where it comes from. Okay, that's what it means. And it's romantic or sexual love or desire lo desirable love. Uh, and, and then there's this one. Let, let me get it out of the way again. There, there is storge. That's, that's the other word. Now, there's some debate on how you say this one. Like, like I like to say storge. Uh, our campus pastor at our South Strand campus, Josh, he calls it storge. I say target, he says, says target, right? Like they both mean target. So, so there might be a little debate on how you say this, but you'll hear me refer to it as storge. And what storge love is, it's familia or family. It, it's, it's the people in your inner circle, that family that you love. And Clay was saying something to me just this morning that he was talking about this family love. And he goes, I think it's interesting that we're talking about family love first because it's through family love that you really learn to love, right? Like what you learn about love is oftentimes established when you are a child on a good way or a bad way. So, so even as a church, 
I want us to start with this idea of family love, storge love, because inside of that, what we will see is that storge love is a self-sacrificing action. Because storge love, maybe I could say it this way, that, that storge love takes in, storge love sends out, and storge love stands by. And, and we can look at a story from Scripture. It's the story that we find in the book of Esther. And in the book of Esther, we're going to learn about several different people in the book. Uh, but, but specifically, this weekend, we're going to really talk about Mordecai and Esther. And you're going to see in Mordecai's life how he took in, how he sent out, and how he stood by. And here's what I want to do with that, that, that I want to uh, continue talking here in Conway, and I want to talk to those of you online and at Jay Rubin, but I'm going to ask our campus pastors at Aner and at South to come up and, and really dig into the scriptures about Mordecai and how he had a store gay love for his cousin Esther. But let's, let's talk about that more just personally right here. Like, let's really look at this, that, that Mordecai loved his family. He had a family love for Esther. And, and you might not know the story of, of Mordecai and Esther, so, so let me catch you up to speed that, that we'd have to go all the way back to the Old Testament. We'd have to go back to a time of the Babylonian captivity, uh, a time when the Jews were, were slaves. And, and that's where we pick up this story. And, and, and it starts with this idea um, of, of Mordecai having a love that took in. And let me just read the text. It says this. It's Esther chapter 2, verse 5. It says, At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jerir. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shemiah. Now, I know right then you read all that, you're like, okay, that's a lot of names. I'm already confused. Nope, here's really all you need to know right now. There was a guy named Mordecai, okay? We got that? that, that that's really, you, you, I'm not saying to forget all the rest, but I'm saying the main point that right now is to remember there was a guy named Mordecai. And, and then it goes on and says this. His family had been among those who, with King Jehoiachin of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. So this is a guy, him and his family, who had been taken out of Jerusalem as slaves to Babylon. All right, now we continue on. It says this, this man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. Right there, we see storge love in action. We don't see the word storge because, again, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The word storge comes from the Greek. But what we do see is storge love in action because what we see is Mordecai taking in that he saw his cousin Esther that she was a young girl who had lost her mom and dad. We don't know how, but chances are in the Babylonian captivity, her mom and dad died. 
And during that time, Mordecai, seeing his cousin, seeing that, that she didn't have a mom and a dad, so and obviously he's probably older. You can kind of figure that out from the story. He looked at Esther and he said, let me take care of you. We don't see any other family in the story except for Mordecai saying, I will take you in. There is a family love. There is a bond that, that caused him to say, I need to love you. And, and we see it in Mordecai, but, but we see that in other things as well. We see it, we see it when, when some of you see like a stray dog or a lost puppy, right? Like you see a stray, stray dog or a lost puppy and, and you're like, let me, let me take it in. Now, when it's a cat, you don't do that. <laughs> Unless you're Casey, okay? But, 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 but you get what I'm saying. It's like there's something all of a sudden that draws you in like, man, I need to take care of this dog. Uh, let's get real. When a mama has a baby and that baby comes out of the womb, the first thing that mama does is say, give me that child. Let me put it on my chest. There's a storge love that takes in. There's an immediate bond. That, that you don't have to be told you need to love your child. Like that, that, doesn't, that isn't something you have to be taught. That's just something that is natural because you're like, no, this is my, my child that, that I want to store gay love. I want to take them in, that there's a bond there. That as parents, when we have kids, that is a family love. That is a bond where we bring them in. So if you are a mom and dad, if you've had those kids, you need to be thinking, man, I need a family love. I need a bond. I, I need to have this store gay love with my child. But it's not just for natural birth. We see this in adoption as well, right? Like many people in our church have done foster care. And when you do foster care, there is something that calls you to say, I just want to bring them in. And you know in their situation at some point you might also have to send them out that, that their family situation might get better and they get to go and, and, and live with their, their family. But you're like, I'll be family to you. I'm not going to let you wander as an orphan. Just like Mordecai said, I'm not going to let Esther wander as an orphan. I'm going to bring her in. And we see that in foster care. We see in foster care that, that sometimes it goes from foster care to adoption. Where it's like, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this child take my name. Because there's a bond, there's a family love there that just calls you to say, I want to take you in. I remember living that story with our kids. That, that Chris and I, we had our two oldest, Clay and Mackenzie, and we were done. We were happy. It was like, not, it's all good. And then God had a different idea. And he said, I, I, I got a couple other kids that you need to take care of. And I remember getting a picture of Tate out of the blue. It wasn't like we were out there searching. But out of the blue, I get this picture of Tate. And if you were here two weeks ago, the last time I preached uh, in person in the building, I showed a picture of Tate, if you remember that. Let me show you one more picture of Tate. This is the very first picture we ever got. <laughs> 11 months old in that picture. 11 pounds. He wasn't a preemie child. He wasn't born early. He was a malnutrition child. And I can just tell you right now, 
When we saw that picture, we said, what do we need to do? That's storge love. It's, it's a love that, that when you see something, when you get, get around someone, that, that you see a need, you're like, let me take you in. And, and we need to live that way in our families. With your blood, we need to store gay love. We need to bring them in. But not just with your blood. For some of you, it is adoption. For some of you, it is foster care. For others of us, it is supporting those who are doing foster care and adoption. For others of us, it's taking in the person who is around me who is malnutritioned. It is taking in the person around me who is in need. See, see, Tate had a physical need right there, all right? But there are people that we come in contact with every day that have physical needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs that we need to store gay love and take them in and say, how do I bring you into my family? That's the gospel, guys. That is straight up the gospel of Jesus, that he said, I am going to bring you in. And he adopted each and every one of us into his family when we surrender our lives to him. And we need to do the same thing. We need to look at people around us and say, man, how, how can I make sure you have family? And they might not be blood. They might not be part of your real family, but they're your brother. They're your sister. They're your friend. They're the ones you bring in. And that's what we got to do. And, and we could say, yes, as a church, we need to make sure that we're bringing people in and that we're taking care of people spiritually and mentally and emotionally and, and physically and helping people out. But I have to warn you, we can say all day, yes, that's what the church should be. But it's difficult. It's not always easy. We actually see that in the story of Peter. That, that the apostle Peter, that, that he was charged by Jesus, he's like, yes, we're going to bring people into the family of God. And, and then God gave him a vision one day. He's up on the roof, and he said, I'm going to go after the Gentiles. And if you don't know what the word Gentile means, it simply means someone who is not of Jewish descent. So there's those who are of Jewish descent, and everybody else is a Gentile. All right. My guess is that, that probably here at The Rock, 95% of us would be Gentiles. There, there might be a few people who have Jewish heritage here, but, but most of us would be what they would have called Gentile. And the Jews and the Gentiles, oh, they were different families. They didn't have anything to do with one another. But God gave Peter a vision, and Peter said, I'm going to go after the Gentiles. I want to bring them into the family of God. And he went and he did that, but then later on, he came across some tough things, and his opinion shifted. We actually see the Apostle Paul going to Peter and saying, Peter, man, you got this wrong. He called him out in front of everybody else. Let me show it to you. It's from the book of Galatians. This is Paul speaking. He said, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. That that what what he's saying there is that that Peter was like all in, and then as soon as some Jews showed up, he's like, "Uh, let let me leave that family and go back to my original family. And see, I think sometimes we do that. They're like, man, I... 
I want to help this person. I want to to bring them into the family of God. I want them to know church. But the minute it gets a little rough, we're like, "I, I don't know. But we have to see that what Christ did This is Ephesians 2. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So what we see from Mordecai's story, what we see from the, the, the Peter and Paul and the Gentile story, what we see from Jesus' story is that storge love, family love, is a love that says, hey, come be part of the family. But there's another part of storge. There's another part of Mordecai's story. See, love takes in, but love sends out also. That, that love doesn't just take in, love sends out. That, that if we go back to Mordecai and Esther's story, that Mordecai took Esther in, but, but after a while, the king passed an edict. See, here's what happened. There was a king, his name was Xerxes, and one day he called for his wife. He was at a party, and I'll tell this story real short. He was at a party, he called for his wife. His wife wouldn't come, so he got mad. And because he got mad, he basically banished his wife. He just kind of said, nope, I'm done with you. You're no longer the queen. After about a year, he said, I need a new queen. So go throughout the land and grab all the maidens, all right? Another way to say that is he said, grab anybody who is a virgin and bring them to me so that I can decide who's going to be the next queen, all right? And now, we don't know if because of that edict, that command, that, that Esther just had to go, that, that it was mandatory, very possible, remember, they were slaves, okay? It also could have been her the edict, and she was like, Mordecai's like, you need to go. Either way, this is what we see. We see Esther leaving and going to the palace, and Mordecai sending her. Let me show you the scripture. It says this, when the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with uh, beauty treatments and special food. That, That Mordecai sent, he released Esther to the king's palace. And I think this is a really important part of the story for all of us who are parents and for anybody who's a young adult. Here's what I mean by that. Is as a parent, you take in. But there comes a time in life you have to send out. And as parents, oftentimes, we don't want to send out. Now, I know sometimes you're like, would you get out of my house? You're eating all my food. But, but many times as parents, what we end up doing is become helicopter parents where, where we just hover over our kids the entire time and make all their decisions for them. There is a time for that. I've said this many times that when your kids are preteens, they're 12 and under, all right, and that's a loose age there, but let's say 12 and under, you walk before them, you lead them. 
And then when they hit those teenage years, those early teenage years, you start to walk beside them. That you have to let them make some decisions. You have to let them do some things. Now you're beside them so that you can help lead them. For teenagers, if there's a teenager in the room, then I would say this, that during that time, you still need to listen to your parents. That they are wise, they have great wisdom. So don't count them off, don't push them off to the side. Walk alongside of them. But there comes a point, usually 17, 18, definitely 19, that as a parent, you have to walk behind them. That you're no longer before them, you're no longer beside them. You have to go behind them and walk behind them and let them make decisions and let them suffer consequences. Because there comes a point when I got to go and I got to pursue what God has for me. And Mordecai, in that moment, he's sending Esther off, that Esther is leaving. This is, again, we don't know anywhere in Scripture. We don't see anything about any other family. This is the only person he has, but in it, he still goes, yep, you got to go to the palace. You got to pursue what what God has for you. You got to pursue this opportunity. You got to do what is right that you have to go, that Mordecai releases. He sends out. Young adults, you have to be willing to go and seize God opportunities. That, that I know sometimes life can be scary. I can imagine in Esther's situation right here that she is scared, that she is trying to figure out what she should do and how to do it, all right? And again, we don't have all of the story. What we have is what we have, what we can read right here. But what we see is Esther willingly going forward. And there's some of you that God has put something in front of you, and you need to walk through that door. You need to go where he is sending you. Because storge love takes in, but it also sends out. And we've got to be willing as parents to send our kids out. As kids, to walk the road that God has in front of us. Because you never know what God's going to do with a simple, sacrificial action. And Esther's story is a story about a self-sacrificial action of love. But there's one more point. That there's storge love takes in, storge love sends out, but I would also say that storge love stands. That storge love stands by. See, Mordecai didn't just send Esther. He sent Esther, but he stood by. Let me go back to the text one more time. It says, every day, Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. That, that I want you to see this, that Mordecai was willing to send Esther out, but he was not willing to leave her. That Mordecai still stood by. That Mordecai was still there for her. And again, as parents, I say this, that, that yes, you send your kids out, that yes, you walk behind them, but as you walk behind them, you're still there by them. And I think too many times in family, I think too many times in in blood family, 
I think too many times in church family, I think too many times in people that you've brought into your circle who are like family, that the minute things get tough, we quit standing by. The minute that there's an issue, we're like, you on your own. That the minute somebody upsets us, we're like, well, I'm done with you. Storge love doesn't say I'm done. Storge love doesn't say I'm cutting you off. Storge love says we are together through this thick and thin. What would it look like if we started standing by like Mordecai did so that he could help anytime Esther needed something? What would it look like if in your marriage you didn't just quit, but you stood by? What would it look like when your kid is going through some tough decisions? Maybe is walking through addiction. Don't give up. Stand by. What if your parents... Are, are, are just making a mess of things? What if a parent has made a mess of their life? What would it look like to stand by? Well, maybe, maybe there's somebody that, that you've got into a conflict with, and this could be a parent or, or it could be a friend. It could be somebody that you would have called family and you got in a conflict and you're just like, I'm done with them. What would it look like to say, I'm gonna go and stand by them? And I know what I'm saying is difficult. There's some of you who have some deep wounds right now. I get it. I 100% get it. I'm not making light of this. But storge love stands by. It doesn't mean it enables. You have somebody going through addiction, you don't enable them. But you can still stand by. That somebody hurts you, you don't, you don't put yourself in a hurtful situation but there's a way to still stand by. Because storge love is not self-serving emotion. It's a self-sacrificial action. And we don't have to just look at Mordecai on this. We can simply look at Jesus. Because there is no better model of storge love than Jesus himself. Look at his love. He saw that we were in a broken relationship. He saw that we were orphans. He saw that, that we had been cut off from the family of God and out of a storge love said, I'll take you in. In a storge love, he hung on, his cro on a cross with his arms open wide saying, I'll take you in. I'll reunite you. I'll reconcile you. I'll bring you back into the family of God. That that's what Jesus did. He took us in. But notice he took us in to what? Send us out. But he said, now you've got a mission. Now you are ambassadors of a ministry of reconciliation. So go back out into the world and make disciples. He sends us out. He says, go. But he stands by. 
His last words in Matthew 28 is, go, but I'm always with you. He takes in. He sends out. He stands by. So my challenge to you tonight is to respond to the love that Jesus has for you. For some of us, here's what that means. For some of us, that means to receive the gift of love. For others of us, it means we've received it. Now I need to go display it and live it as a self-sacrificial action. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. For some of you, if you don't know Jesus, right now is a time to respond to him. We're going to have some friends at that connect corner. There'll be some friends at this connect corner. They would love to pray with you. They would love to help you take a step in surrendering your life to Jesus and accepting his free gift of being taken in and joining the family of God. And let me tell you, the family of God is an incredible family to be a part of. Is it a perfect family? Not yet. It's a perfect father, but not a perfect family yet. One day we'll be there, but not yet. But it's the perfect family to be a part of. If you've never surrendered your life, now's the time. Maybe it's to take that step of baptism. We have uh, people in our, in our baptism area over here. You can come talk to them. They'd love to help you take a step of baptism tonight. Maybe you need to take communion. Maybe you need to be sing and worship and say, Jesus, I'm going to go out and I'm going to love in a family way. Why don't you do me a favor? Let's stand up. Now let's go into this time of response where we truly surrender and follow Jesus with a love that is active, a self-sacrificial love that is family. Jesus, we come before you, thanking you for inviting us and in, taking us in. We're so thankful for that. But we don't stay there, Lord. 